Welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Tyler. I'm Jamie. And it's also a quick thing. So uh, before we start the show, um, we'd like to start off uh, with an announcement. Quick Reviews, uh, that thing we did before the pandemic, is finally returning this weekend. Our first feature back is Marvel's Black Widow. So be on the lookout for that, a review this Sunday. So uh, for those who don't know, before Jamie and I started this podcast, we did quick reviews of movies with a humorous spin in a minute or less on our Quick Channel Instagram page. We also do a live show called Quick Talk Live on our Facebook page on our way to the theater to watch the film. Uh, so tune in this Saturday at around eh, 7 p.m. Eastern, give or take, uh, on our Quick Channel Facebook page for that. And please subscribe for more uh, for new for new quick reviews. Again, please follow our Quick Channel Instagram page. Uh, you can see our older reviews and other material and content as, as well on that page. Um, we got some great movies coming this year that uh, we can't wait to see. So we'll also do more in-depth discussions on this podcast for the movies uh, we see this year as well. With all that said, let's continue with some entertainment news. That's entertainment. So unfortunately, we have to start things off on a somber note. Um, at the time of this recording, it is Monday, July 5th. It was announced today that director Richard Donner had passed away. Uh, the cause of death has yet to be revealed. Um, he's done a good number of TV series and films in his career, but the ones that he'll always be remembered for are the Lethal Weapon films, which he was still on board to do another sequel, uh, which I think they might get moving on now. Um, uh, they were, I mean, they were iconic buddy cop films and action movies. And of course, uh, let's not forget the original 1978 uh, Superman film with Christopher Reeve, which was a love letter and game changer to Superman and comic book films. It's a film that sadly gets overlooked sometimes as pretty much the nexus point uh, to where most comic book movies take inspiration from. It's really what started it all, uh, reworking the wire work and harness technology to live up to the film's tagline by making us believe a man can fly. It really is the foundation of most comic book movies, uh, especially in terms of story structure and formula. Donner, of course, also directed other iconic, popular, and cult favorite films such as The Omen, The Goonies, Scrooged, Lady Hawk, Conspiracy Theory, and 16 Blocks, to name a few. Mr. Donner, you will be sorely missed, and thank you for all of your amazing work. Rest in peace. Donner, now and forever, making us believe that man can fly. Thank you so much for uh, your work and pretty much everything else you just said. So um, moving on, uh, last week, uh, something fans of author Gregory McDonald and Chevy Chase thought would never happen is finally happening. At last, we're getting another Fletch movie. The film titled Confess Fletch began filming in Boston last week with John Hamm in the title role, a casting choice I'm very happy with. The character was created by mystery writer Gregory McDonald beginning in 1974, where the character debuted uh, in the first novel out of 11 in the series titled simply Fletch. The novel was about an investigative reporter, Erwin Maurice Fletcher, Fletch as he likes to be called, trying to expose the source of drug trafficking at his local beach so he can write an expose. He is then approached by millionaire businessman Alan Sandwick, who proposes a deal that he will pay uh, Fletch $20,000, at that time a lot of money, to kill him since Alan is dying of bone cancer. Fletch agrees, but secretly investigates him and finds out that there is more to Alan than meets the eye. The the novel was adapted into the cult classic 80s film Fletch, starring Chevy Chase in 1985, then at the height of his career. Of course, with most adaptations, there were uh, a lot of deviations from the source material that Arthur Gregory, uh, author Gregory MacDonald did not like, but he did like Chevy in the role, reportedly. But, much like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, despite the author's protests, the quality of the film speaks for itself.
itself and has endured over time. It's one of my favorite comedies and it still holds up. Chase's dry sense of humor and sarcastic quips are very rapid fire and just so good in this. Like in 1989, we also got a sequel and this time uh, with an original story and not adapting any of the novels called Fletch Lives. While the film has its moments... It's not as good and pretty goofy in some parts. You won't be missing much if you skip it. But if you're a completist, uh, there are worse movies and sequels out there, so it won't be all bad. So a little bit of history here. Um, after Fletch Lives, there were a few attempts to do another film in the series starring, che- starring Chevy Chase. However, that went nowhere. Kevin Smith at one point was trying to adapt the prequel novel Fletch 1 back in 1998 uh, with Jason Lee or Ben Affleck to star as Fletch. I heard they also might have had uh, Chevy Chase possibly narrate the film, but that part is most likely just a rumor. Thankfully, that project went nowhere. It was uh, rejected uh, at Miramax by professional piece of shit Harvey Weinstein. I think it would have been a pale imitation of what came before mixed uh, uh, mixed with Kevin Smith's humor. Plus, having Affleck or Jason Lee in the role wouldn't have been a good fit like that's my opinion i just don't think they would have done well as fletch uh later on bill lawrence creator of scrubs and co-creator of ted lasso was working with zach braff to adapt the material that also fell apart i'm not sad about that either because i don't think braff would have made a good fletch and i think he knew that which is why he quit the project so did ryan reynolds Justin Long, and Joshua Jackson. According to Bill Lawrence, who was also interviewed by Uproxx, uh, he was quoted as saying, I think it's hard because the original Fletch movie is so iconic, and for guys, especially kids of a certain age like me, they can do every line. And because of that, it's a big thing to bite off for another performer to go, oh, I'm going to be compared to Chevy Chase uh, by doing this. Like, I got to know Greg McDonald before he passed away, the author of all the books. And the books are so much darker. They're still banter-driven, but no one's wearing fake teeth. Do you know what I mean? So I do agree to some extent uh, what what his feelings are, but uh, the tonal difference uh, from the novels to the films is a problem because while there is witty banter in the novels, the films made it more uh, comedic and what it what it is and also had disguises and humor and Fletch doesn't have, uh, you know, he doesn't have or is known for. So Fletch doesn't have any of that in the, in the novels. But because the films, especially the first, are more well-known than the novels, fans who haven't read the books or don't know the history of the character think that it is just a part of his character. So any attempt to do a reboot and a more faithful adaptation will not be received well. But there is where I disagree. I, I think so much time has passed that this is a fresh property again. The general audience has no idea who the fuck Fletch is or the novels or the history of the character. They can actually start fresh while also most likely include little references for fans of the novels and the previous films alike without doing a pale imitation. I think this version will be much closer to the literary version of Fletch. I don't see John Hamm donning disguises and doing pratfalls in this, but I have a feeling there will be little references here and there in a much with a much darker tone in the film with some, you know, possibly great banter, similar to maybe like a Shane Black film. Uh, The new film is adapting the second book published in the series called Confess Fletch, this time with Fletch uh, becoming the prime suspect in multiple murders. While trying to prove his innocence, he also has to search for his fiancée's stolen art collection. As I said, the film stars John Hamm, but it's also starring Marsha Gay Harden, Kyle MacLachlan, Roy Wood Jr., and John Slattery. It was also co-written and will be directed by Greg Mottola, who is well known for the movies Superbad and Adventureland, which to me proves that he can balance the dark tone with humor. So after a few stumbles with the development of this film, I think we're finally in good hands. So no release date has been has been set for this movie yet, but 
this is one film I am really looking forward to, you know? And just like most of the other films that we've spoken about, I know this one's going to be under your microscope. Like, (laughs) oh, God, I I, (laughs) man, every night I know we're I know there's going to be like some new developments either between between this or that. I just hope you don't cross wires and like, you know, talk about Fletch when you really want to talk about like Indiana Jones or something, you know, (laughs) or or Batman or 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 anything like that. It's like it's like, yes, Chevy Chase, you know, he's going to he's going to be a. like a, a spokesperson for the new Batman film. I mean, I mean, Fletch. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know anymore. He's like, see, I mean, don't, don't, don't rattle your brain too much. I mean, I mean, I, I don't share exactly the same enthusiasm as you for Fletch since like you're more uh, knowledgeable about it. But I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it myself. So um, all I could really say is I'll just wait for a trailer. Yeah, yeah, that that'll establish whether or not it's going to be um something to look forward to. Right now I'm still looking forward to it. I mean, you've seen you saw the first one. Uh, did you see the second one too? Negative. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're not missing much if you see if you don't see the second one. It yeah, it well, by by your by your insistence that like you yeah. told me like it, it wasn't even worth like seeing, so yeah. So I just took your word for it. I was like, okay, uh, I'll just do that. Yeah. yeah. So more news to follow as we get it. So Jamie, uh are we going off the top rope? Uh, we are going up the top rope. Oh my god! Oh my god! But just like you know, entertainment news, we're also going to start off on a somber note. In fact, the only thing I'm really going to talk about this week is the passing of Mr. Dell Wilkes, better known to most uh, wrestling fans as the Patriot. Big standout from college football. Uh, he was uh, heavily recruited as an offensive lineman at uh, Columbia's Irmo High School and played for South Carolina South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, there's really no other way for me to say that. Sorry. The following, I believe, I believe, like uh, his uncle played for South Carolina. His father played. His brothers played. And he was only one of four Gamecock consensus All Americans. The others being George Rogers from 1980, Melvin Ingram from 2011. And J.D. Von Clowney in 2012. Um, for his football, for his, uh, you know, for him to play college, he added about 50 pounds uh, to bulk his like six foot three, um, 225 pound frame, um, you know, to bolster the offensive line that in uh, that helped him in 1984 set like uh, some school records such as touchdowns. Points, uh, that being 371 uh, total offense, uh, 5,095 yards, and like I said, touchdowns with 49. Um, he wanted to try, he failed to make the cut for the NFL's Tampa Bay Buccaneers in 1985 and for the Atlanta Falcons in 1986. So after, uh, after you know, not being able to go pro in the NFL, he decided to uh, pursue professional wrestling. And that would turn out to be, uh, although he would find that physically grueling, but he also found it financially rewarding, as you know, most uh, stars would agree with. Um, starting out in the American Wrestling Association, the AWA, in 1988, he would then go on to the GWF in 1991, and eventually where he where he became the Patriot. And he was the first ever GWF television champion in a tournament in 1991. Afterwards, he was feuding with Al Perez over the North American Heavyweight Championship, which he won initially on August 10th, but the victory was disputed. He won the title again in a rematch against Perez two weeks later. 
1991, uh, a man calling himself the Dark Patriot. Yeah, you know, they had to have an antithesis to these sort of things. Uh, appeared in the GWF for several months. He taunted the Patriot and claimed that he was the Patriot's dark side. On January 31st, 1992, the Dark Patriot faced the Patriot in a title match, and the Patriot lost the title and left the GWF. Shortly afterwards, he had uh, a first run with the World Wrestling Federation as the Trooper. He had a tryout match um, in Rockford, Illinois on May 6, 1991, where he defeated W.T. Jones. The following day in Green Bay, Wisconsin, at a wrestling challenge taping, he defeated Tom Stone. Uh, he returned in November 12, 1991, in a dark match at wrestling challenge and another wrestling challenge taping in Springfield, Massachusetts. Wrestling this time as the Patriot, where he defeated the Brooklyn Brawler. He would then appear in five matches in 1992, wrestling as either Del Wilkes or the Patriot, facing Rick Martel. Cato of the Orient Express and the Repo Man. Uh, shortly after that, he wrestled in All Japan where he would get more uh, popularity. Um, he had success uh, with uh, Jackie Fulton, who wrestled as the Eagle. Go figure. Uh, to match Wilkes' Patriot gimmick. On June 2nd, 1993, the Patriot and the Eagle defeated Kenta Kabashi and Siyoshi Kikuchi to win the All Asia Tag Team Championships. The Patriot would then hold on to those titles for three months, eventually losing them on September 9th, 1993, to Doug Furness and Dan Crawford, most would know as Philip Lufon. Um, shortly after his stint in All Japan, he came back to uh, uh, to the States, this time in World Championship Wrestling, where he feuded with uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Paul Roma, the tag team of Pretty Wonderful, and would win the WCW World Tag Team Championships with Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Yeah, Buff Bagwell, and where they would be known as the tie team, simply known as Stars and Stripes. He continued to wrestle for WCW for several more months until leaving on May 1995. After a return for for a few years in uh, All Japan, he would eventually come to the World Wrestling Federation again, this time like fully as the Patriot, and he would be feuding with Bret Hart, which he said was a, was a good angle um, because of, you know, the, the nature of the situation with the whole uh, Bret Hart hating America type deal, but loving Canada. The premise of this feud was that was that Hart had just started his anti-America Hart Foundation gimmick, and the Patriot was, as the name implied, a man who stood up for the United States of America. He wore a mask with American stars and stripes and carried the U.S. flag, and he defeated Hart on television in a match on July 28, 1997. Uh, after interference from Shawn Michaels, of course, he – well, uh, not many people know this, but the uh, the entrance music that Kurt Angle used, that was originally the Patriots. So uh, the Patriots would then team up with Ken Shamrock to wrestle the team of the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. The Patriot pinned Bulldog for the win, and he would then go on to challenge uh, Bret Hart for the WWF Championship at Ground Zero. Uh, where Hart forced him to submit with a sharpshooter. Um, shortly after that, the feud would continue on for uh, not much longer, but until his uh, final televised match, which was on Shotgun Saturday night, and he was released shortly thereafter in early 1998. Uh, Del Wilkes was only 59 years old, and he died of a heart attack. Um, he 
shortly after his stint from WWF, yes, yeah, so I said F, Wilkes was forced to retire due to a torn tricep. And he admitted that he had using that he was using anabolic steroids and cocaine during his career, starting with his college football days. So he spent nine months in prison in 2002 for forging a prescription due to his addiction to painkillers. Wilkes eventually quit drugs and resided in Columbia, South Carolina, where he worked at Dick Smith Nissan as a car salesman. He will be definitely remembered for, of course, you know, donning his uh, luchador type mask and. You know, and his uh, in-ring ability, which was pretty good. I, I like from a personal standpoint. I thought he had, uh, he he had uh, a very promising uh, career. You know, he had the look. He had he had the like a good physique. Yeah, pretty decent worker. And um, I don't know. He was over with the crowd. Wasn't too cheesy. And well, it is a shame that that you know things uh, weren't working out the way. Um, we would hope. So it is a shame that Del Wilkes is no longer with us, but he will be remembered. He will be missed. Again, Del Wilkes dead at the age of 59. Tyler. Thanks, man. And that's our show. Thanks for listening. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, as well as our quick channel Instagram and Facebook pages. Please subscribe or drop a review for both, and we'll see you next week. It would be, I guess, hard press if I just said, God bless America, but God bless America. Indeed. By the way, I charged the entire vacation of Mr. Underhill's American Express card. Want the number?